Yes, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to another Rugby Muscle Podcast. I'm your host as always, TJ, and in today's episode I am joined by Alex as we discuss Westside style training or Westside itself. and We really break it down to analyze why it's so popular and what you can un- yeah, what can you can you can take away from it as a rugby player? We came onto this topic because my man Finn Morrison came onto our Facebook page, Rugby or Facebook group, Rugby Muscle Athletes. If you want to join us and ask any question, you will get it answered here on the podcast. Just type in Rugby Muscle Athletes on Facebook. You can join the group. Uh, you will have to ask a question because I don't want people coming on the group. I've ranted about this enough times. You know what it is. I don't want people coming on asking for random tips. You want to have a specific thing that you want to improve. Anyway, so Finn Morrison comes on and he says, Hey bud, I was just asking if you would discourage completing a strength cycle or conjugate style phase such as Westside mid-season. I know this should be done in the off-season, but that's when I would normally be cutting to try and look half-decent for holiday. He also says on a more light-hearted note, If you were on death row, what would your last meal be? If I was on death row, my last meal would be a sushi all-you-can-eat buffet because number one, I could try blowfish and you know n- not risk it. And number two, if it was a never-ending buffet, then I got to you know I would just be able to like, milk it out and be able to eat forever, right? Would that is that kind of cheating? Would that work? I don't really know. But what I do know is that Alex and myself came onto this podcast and we gave a really good in-depth analysis of what exactly Westside barbell style training is, what the program is itself why it's so popular and what elements that you can take away because I don't off the bat we're going to probably not recommend you do the exact Westside barbell training program Alex himself has actually spent the last few months being coached by Westside barbell themselves online he is a extremely strong dedicated powerlifter and he wanted to try a different methodology that he hadn't tried before to see what success and what lessons he could gain out of and he did it strict Westside Barber for a number of months. He's currently not in it, but he's come out of it with a real good analysis and um, idea of what the training methodology involves. So we give it a full-on breakdown so that you guys can get a full understanding of what elements that you can take, what elements that you can use, and what elements that you think you could potentially do better for your training. I really do hope you enjoy this episode and find it useful. This is Westside Training for Rugby. You have an espresso machine at work? We have like a three, four thousand dollar coffee machine at work. Oh, of course you do. It's CrossFit in the middle of London. Of course you have a fancy ass fucking hipster fucking coffee machine. Yeah, we have shakes and all that kind of please, stuff. Please, please tell me your coffee machine also, um, like, or also makes what would you call it? Uh, bulletproof coffee. Oh, <laughs> I saw someone talking about that the other day. I was so I was really disappointed, but no, it doesn't. But we do have a lot of peanut butter kicking around the gym. I'm, I'm disappointed in anyone that does. Um, and there's going to be someone that's listening to this, because I've already pressed record, by the way. There's going to be cool. someone listening to this that drinks, puts butter in their coffee, and they're going to probably turn this podcast. Don't turn this podcast. I'm not judging you. I'm just I'm judging, judging no, you. Now. I know you are. I knew you'd say that. I'm not. It's, it's ridiculous. But it doesn't, like... I, 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 I get the idea of a, maybe like a bit of coconut creamer, like just for a bit of flavor. Because your boy can get down with pumpkin spice as much as I, you know, yeah, I know. I mean, 
We're not that far off that season, mate. What, a few months I was, now? I, I was very judgmental when that. Yeah, but I don't like. I don't have like a pumpkin spice latte. I'll be honest. I just put a bit of cinnamon and pumpkin spice in it, and then maybe a little bit of creamer. But that's it. I'm not. I'm not like latteing it up. I'm still having a coffee. That's fair. I did right. try um, the mocha frappuccino. Was it the basically the ice cream things they do at Starbucks? Yeah, the, so yeah, a- anything that's not like most, I'd say 90%, if not 95% of the Starbucks menu is not coffee. Oh, how good is this then? This then translates to Westside because 90 to 95% of what people do and they're saying, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm training the Westside method, isn't they're not actually doing the Westside method. Would you agree with that statement? Um, yeah, what I thought was Westside and then what I did was very different. Okay, so I've already done the introduction and said that this is about Westside, the conjugate, and like different training methods for rugby, but not different training methods, mostly just an analysis of Westside. And, and because it's a very popular training method and people think that because it's got a dynamic component, it could be great for rugby as well. But uh, I decided that it was a really good idea. Actually, you decided that you were going to chime in on this conversation because uh, why, why did you think it was important that you chimed in on this conversation, Alex? I just like hearing myself talk. Nope. Um, yeah. So it it's not a, even if you have a conscious method or, or a concurrent method, whatever you want to call it. Um, even if you're running like a complex methodology, like Westside is a specific system um, that has gained traction, and it's unless you've done it, and I've kind of half done it, I guess. Um, I don't think you can really understand what it is and what it actually takes. So when I see someone saying that can they play rugby and follow a Westside program, like I want to jump in and like talk about it before anyone actually tries to do it. Right. And do you want to give us a TLDR before we even get into it? So if if, if a rugby player comes up to you and says, "Look, I'm thinking about trying out the Westside method," what would you say? You had you you didn't have more than ten seconds to answer him. Don't do it. Boom. Yeah, I thought that might be what you said. Yeah, because like, I, like, all I do is lift up shit. I don't yeah. do anything apart from powerlifting, basically, now. We'll go into the ins and outs of exactly why. It might not be a good idea for you as a rugby player to do the West Side Method, okay? Before we do that, let's get into what the West Side Method is or what it's seen as. So do you want to outline maybe what it is and – differentiate from what it is seen as oh shit um so the traditional way of looking at west side would be um two max effort days two dynamic effort days right uh, max effort days be absolutely maxing out on a squat variation and a bench rest variation on their specific days um, so one and- lower body one one lower body one upper body for each yeah, max, gonna, effort being, max effort being not the max effort that you can do for, you know, 10 reps or something, right? No, it's always for an absolute one rep max. Oh, it's always one rep max. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, it's not geared towards an actual weight. It's geared towards the strain. So it, it should be a long, slow lift. Right? Like, so like, it a shouldn't gr- be- like a proper grinder. Yeah. Okay, um, let's go into the dynamic effort days then for me. And dynamic effort days is, for lower body, it'll be a squat variation totaling around 25 reps, mm-hmm. uh, followed by 
a deadlift variation totaling around 18 reps. And how would you achieve those reps usually, breakdown? Or is, um, there, or is there any way? So, so when I did it, I would do a three-week wave. Um, I'd go, I think mean, it's 10, 10 sets of two, 10 sets of two, eight sets of three, and I'd do a five-by-five five week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the deal there was they were looking at building up lactic endurance. So I would do all the squat sets followed by nine sets of two deadlift, I think, Ugh. with 30 second rest between everything. There was, so it was straight. So I'd do a squat, do all the squats, 30 second rest, do all the deadlifts. Then I can break. Ugh. Yeah, dude, it was, it was pretty rough. Um, and then so people were saying or would say that the dynamic effort is light so but with the accommodation resistance the the wave goes from 75 to 85 percent right so even though the bar weight might be 45 to 55 or 55 to 65 whatever happens to be the total weight is always averaging around 85 percent Okay, let, let's get into the accommodating resistance in a bit. I have some idea of a structure I want to talk to about here. So um, essentially, Westside is a very popular method of training. I think it's become popular. You can you can chime in here if you think of any other reasons, but I think the three main reasons that it's like quite like heavily prominent is because number one, um, like if you take powerlifting as you know, rather than just present day powerlifting, you take powerlifting since the dawn of powerlifting as a sport and the whole totality of all the lifters that have ever done it, the major- like a good chunk of the best lifters in the world would have trained like just at the gym, actually, at Westside Barbell Gym. And then an even bigger portion of the- those people that have competed would have either spent some time there or trained some sort of Westside methodology. So <clears throat> it's one of those things where you look at the su- people that are successful in a given pursuit for this, for this part, it's powerlifting, right? And you look at the best in the world. Well, a lot of them train at Westside, so they must be doing something right. Right. So that makes it quite popular. Within, within that multiply era. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I think when now it's geared a little bit more towards raw lifting, it's less so. Well, I'll get into that in a sec. So, so I'll also say that, like, powerlifting, I'd say in the last what ten years has exploded in popularity. Yeah. Like, it's got huge. I think thanks mostly to like social media because you can do a pursuit and like before you would have to go to Westside to find some, an environment that intense. Now people can replicate that without having to order in a VHS and watch it. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot more exposure to these methods and people can relate to it more. So just as powerlifting was getting popular, like just before it exploded again, Westside was responsible for an even bigger majority of successful powerlifters. And then when we're talking about people that want to get stronger, you think, you know, you look at strong men and they're all kind of fat. Um, we'll get onto that in a sec, probably if you want to talk about that, but, um, you look at a lot of strong men, they're kind of fat. So you think, right, who are the strongest people in the world? And you think, if you go into the gym, you think, well, the biggest squatters, the biggest benches, and the biggest deadlifters. Mm-hmm. So you would then say, right, if I want to get stronger, I need to follow what the powerlifters are doing. And if I want to follow what the powerlifters are doing, well, a lot of them are doing this um, Westside method. 
Now, there's two fallacies already here, right? Because number one, just because someone is successful does not, you, you can't correlate. Correlation doesn't always equal causation. So it's the same reason that we wouldn't go to Samoa and see what they're doing with their kids between the ages of eight to 15 or the All Blacks, you know? Like we get this a lot in rugby where people try and follow all, what the All Blacks do is in their systems and their like their tactics and their ways of playing and all these sorts of things. And even like their culture, like they're sweeping up the change rooms and like, I do think it's a good thing, but that's not what's making them successful. What's making them successful is that they have a culture where rugby is ingrained as they, you know, New Zealand are listening, know that, you know, a lot of them would be out at the park playing touch as soon as they can run. And yeah, it's pretty big over there. Yeah, and it's those those sorts of things. So you can't just attribute something to a, a reason just because there's a correlation there. Okay, so there's a good chance that if you are already a really good strength athlete, you're already a good uh, deadlifter or powerlifter. You think, right? I'm already re-, like you look at some of the size of the guys that come out of that gym, and they're just like they're barely human. <laughs> they're real powerlifters are fucking big. Yeah, they are ginormous, and they stand next to professional rugby players and make them look tiny. Some of them are just ginormous. So, and so then you also um, understand that those guys are then traveling to this place, so that they're attracting the elite because of the fact they've already got some decent numbers and because they've got a good environment. We'll add that environment in as well. That's something that no one ever really talks about when you look at a training methodology. Is it the fact that they're all training a certain way or is it because they're in this amazing gym and they are yelling at each other nonstop and they are really like pushing it? There's an environment there that they say, you know, you can't help but to add weight to your maxes. Um, and then a the final point I would say on this, like, is it because of the training methods or is it just because of the gym or something else? I, I also think that, like, you don't read about the percentage of people that went to Westside or that trained this method and failed because they don't make the news. Like no one reads about the people that failed. And I yeah, said, confirmation bias, right? Yeah. So the ones that succeeded could be 0.0001% of the people that have tried it, but you don't see the 99.999% of people that failed. You also see that the people who go there are selected. So Louis invites people. It's not a public gym. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right, man. I think I think uh, the gym environment is a big deal. If you talk to guys who've been there or listen to any podcast or anything, they say like you can't replicate that. Like you have to have people in that kind of competitive environment. Yeah, no difference. I think you missed out on a couple of things though. Like it's fun. Like maxing out is kind of fun. Oh yeah. If you get to max out twice a week, like that's kind of fun. You get to max out something new. So like you don't even have the opportunity to compare or negatively compare what you've done. Because so of you do rotating do. exercises. We'll get onto that in yeah. a sec. So we'll we'll talk about the actual methodology before or yeah, after this. So after we talk about why it's so popular. So yeah, for sure it's fun. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think um like that's one of the annoying things I have to sort of taper people down as part of my work with coaching people is like because we have people that want to do fun like conditioning stuff that like and they want to beat themselves up by doing broncos till they're dead Uh, or they want to do like like crossfit same thing right it's really difficult but if you're if you're you know there's a difference between working out and going crazy and doing stuff but and and actually getting productive results but i will say that having fun no matter what is going to 
be a lot more motivating for you. And if you're a lot more motivated, then you're going to train better and you're going to be more consistent. Yeah. So yeah, for sure having fun. Anything else? Um, I was I also going to say that the, sorry, just uh, I'm waiting for you to think of something and interrupt no. you. It's right. So the other thing I also think is that because like this isn't one might apply to athletes and rugby players more, right? But because there's also, it's not just heavy. There's also that speed day. Um, I remember I've run a few West side ish programs before. Um, I actually ran a Joe DeFranco West side for athletes or something. Or maybe yeah. Westside for skinny bars. I don't remember what it was. It was a, uh, I did it when I was in college and it was ridiculous. And it beat me to the ground. Anyway, um, there's also that speed dynamic day. So you're like, oh, I'm an athlete. I need to get faster. So doing this, doing um, speed squats and speed deadlifts is going to be able to make me faster. Right? So it, it, it makes sense as to if you're an athlete, that's what you want to do. Now we'll get into why that, you know, why there are other ways to do that potentially later down the line. But yeah, I think so that I, is I, another thing that would draw someone to do this training program. Yeah. I think, I think you're writing that as a draw. I think in practice, it's not that hundred percent. I mean, you've already yeah. sort of given away a little bit. Why? Yeah. Cool. Anything else? I, I think there's a, uh, almost bragging rights about it as well. Go on. At least. Well, everyone knows it's hard, right? So to be able to say, like, hey, I'm, I'm on this program doing this. It just sounds cool. Everyone knows about it in the gym. Yeah. It sounds cooler than saying, like, yeah, I'm just hitting, I don't know, three sets of five at 0.7 meters a second. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds it, it's, it's also one of those things that, yeah, I, I just watched Westside Against the World or Versus the World or whatever it was, the documentary in, in preparation for this. And um, a lot of people died. <laughs> yeah, mate. And there are a lot of people that got injured um, and really, really hurt and, and then just carried on training. And, and you know, it's so broken necks and yeah. spots and stuff. But yeah, it's nuts. But that Wait. thing, if you want to train, if you want to be like, right, I need the most brutal training method because you would tend to link, you're like, well, if this training method is really brutal, it must be really effective, right? I mean, if you listen to Travis Mass talking about his work with the um, the US squad, a weightlifting squad, this is. Mm-hmm. He talks about having a room full of. Okay, he names some animal like a, it's like a wolf or a lion or something like that. Yeah, and in that kind of environment when everyone's alpha, like that, having that competition is a big deal. Yeah. I guess so, yeah, because then you, you can't take a day off and, and you push yourself. and you Because we do. We all go to the gym if we're on our own a lot of the time and it and we haven't got numbers that we have to stick to. Our brain, there's always that inner bitch and it just says, yeah, you can just stop this rep here. But if, you're, if you've got beasts around you, I mean, not only that you've got to try and compete with and try to be and get stronger and inspire and all this sort of stuff, but you've also got people that will kick you out of the gym if you don't try your hardest. Yeah, that's not right. You're going to push yourself past any sort of, you're not going to allow any mental barrier to stop you. Did you, do you see the thing where they were talking about, um, they did calf raises, and it was like a dumb exercise, like calf raises, and they were like, we're just going to go into someone blows a calf out. No. Just keep, just keep putting weight on until someone blows a calf out. <laughs> no, I don't remember yeah. that. I do um, remember when they said that 60-year-old, 
uh, Louis Simmons was back training and the guy was like, I, I, I want him to injure himself because he's hurt me so many times. And he tore his pec in that session. <laughs> it's nuts. But then they have probably the most world record holders of any team in the world, I imagine. Yeah. But you also have the most torn muscles um, of any team in the world, I'd say. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> like, probably not even close. Most deaths. So that sort of thing. So, yeah. All right. So we've established that Westside is really popular and potentially the reasons why that aren't necessarily the program itself, but people are still going to be drawn to the program itself. And why not? Like you said, it's, it's kind of fun. It's got elements that make it popular as well. And like you see, you get to work max lifts. So you get to work these different elements that potentially could make you a better athlete or a rugby player. But we like, must understand really that we don't have to do every program as is or any sort of methodology as is and just say that's the one we have to do this as rugby players and as individuals in general we want to take the good stuff from different areas and apply it to how we want to use it and then get the best for it out of us um so any any thoughts on that like do you agree with, with what i just said there alex I mean, the way he said get the best out of us was a little bit weird, but um, yeah, apart from that, it's pretty good. <laughs> get the best out of any method to help us in our situations. I mean, I so, quite liked it. I think mean, it was quite, quite neat, but a bit weird. Oh, yeah, mate. Super weird. Don't you, you, The goal is never to be normal because normal people, like, who's ever, whose goal is it to be average? Fuck that. What's your less than average? You should always be different. No one's, no one's achieved great success by just being the most normal person ever. That's not the goal. It's the quirks that make people great. Now, speaking of quirky things and Westside and Westside Barbell, let's start by talking about the conjugate or concurrent method that Westside Barbell uses. Right, so this is back into that um, complex variational discussion. Yes. Right? Okay, so... Complex training is training all different physical qualities at one time, okay? Or at least the ones that are relative to your sport, if you're training for sport, that is. And that is within a week? Within a... Uh, or a microcycle. Yeah, yeah, within a microcycle. I mean, like I said earlier, those terms are, don't really mean much anymore. But anyway... Um, yeah, so not, one, not one, necessarily... One yeah, one cycle of training. Not necessarily one session itself... But if you're doing six days on, one day off, or if you're doing you know, a cycle that rotates through eight days sometimes, like we don't have, but for the most part, they're built around a week because that's how us as humans operate. Whereas yeah, cycle, so, it's not necessarily humans. Yeah, so within that cycle, you work on all these physical qualities that are posted to yourself. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, within that, then we have that variational aspect. So we'd have these uh, cycling of lifts or a variation of different exercises it all the time. Uh, that's kind of how that, that Westside map already was set up for me. Okay. So where most train, or so I guess we have to give a quick brief overview of different methods of periodization. Oh yeah. Different variants of periodization. So when we're talking about periodization, we're talking about a plan to, you know, achieve whatever we're trying to do with training, right? Um, a lot of training methods will uh, be concurrent where you will train more than one aspect. So that could be strength and hypertrophy or strength and speed 
or could be like a number of different things, right? But you're not just solely focused on one goal in that within that training cycle. Yes. Um, you focus on what two plus, okay? Where you were saying complex is focusing on every single method or every single uh, component. Policy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's traditional or just static periodization where you're just only focusing on one. And then there's also block periodization where you're focusing on it. On a, you, can it be one or a number? So with block periodization, you, it would actually probably be concurrent as well. Yes. You just you just have a focus within a block. So you'd right. have your, your whole like macro cycle planned out and then each block would focus on one quality, but you try and maintain other qualities within that. Yeah. So each, so with block periodization, you'll, you could work hypertrophy for a time. Um, and then after your a month of training hypertrophy or two months of training hypertrophy, then you try and maintain that hypertrophy, but work more on just strength. And yeah. then after doing so that strength, you would work on power and you would build each phase would then build on the next phase. Yeah, if I was going to write like a block program for hypertrophy, I still have competition exercises in there mm-hmm. because like you want to maintain that skill, you want to maintain the the proficiency of that at the same time. Like it still be block because the focus would be on whatever that block's focus is. Right, but yeah, and that's to be honest, that's exactly how I, I do pretty much all of my things for rugby in that manner because. When it comes to rugby, as we said, for complex training, you're focused on every single component required yeah. for that sport. That'd be really hard for rugby. Rugby, there are so many different components yeah. that it would be you would you would you would either have to dedicate like millions of hours, or I'm getting that feedback again. Hopefully, it's stopped. You'd either dedicate like just infinite hours and infinite recovery resources that you just wouldn't be able to improve. Um, so you would either just burn out or you would overtrain or you just would never improve anyway because you've just you you're tapped out you've got you're you're at your maximal recoverable volume and you're not a, a decent enough volume or any sort of component to improve it so a much better way is to focus on different aspects of what you want to achieve and build block on block on block on block and that therefore you've got a more patient approach you've got a more practical approach but west side not saying that they're less patient or less practical but they are trying to focus on every single component at the same time, right? For powerlifting. Yeah. So I guess, you know, and again, if you're, if you're doing just speed and uh, a heavy day, you're not necessarily doing Westside. And if you just focus, if you're doing any program that focuses on everything at once, that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing Westside either. You could be doing CrossFit probably. And that that's probably, that would be another complex uh, periodization. I mean, uh, Shane, the guy that I was working with, he also runs uh, Cosmic Conjugate, you know? There you so go. Is, yeah. Okay. So I think it, where it becomes very difficult for rugby players is that you've just to, – to make an improvement on a fitness component is requires a lot more volume and direction than to maintain a fitness component. Mm-hmm. And – when you've got, it's like when you you go to create a player in a any sort of uh, <laughs> game, right? You've only got yeah. so many allotted points. I believe that um, when God did to create a player for 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 old TJ over here, he gave me a point five out of ten with vision. Like I am blind as fuck, 
and probably a 0.5 in terms of attention span. <laughs> and I would also argue that he get that's, but he used those points to give me a 10 in humor and a 10 in just being a top lad. So there you go. Mm. Maybe not a 10 in, in humility. But, <laughs> right. But when you're, perfect. Yeah. The point is that you can't do, you don't have enough power or, um, you don't have any, enough allotment points to work on every single component at the same time. How do you go about doing that though with Westside? How does that, ta- how do they tackle that? So I actually think there's something of a weeding out process that goes on. Um, like almost like a reverse confirmation bias. Yeah. So there's so much to do. Um, so my sessions, the volume is pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. So there'd be, there'd be times I was doing five rounds of five exercises and each rep, each exercise would have somewhere between 20 and 50 repetitions. In it. <sighs> you know, um, and that would be my recovery work. And I'd Actually, have what after that to do. That's a good point. Um, when we were talking the other, the other week for the podcast, you, how, long, how long do you spend in, in the gym on average for a session? Um, it depends on the day. So if it's a, a special exercise day, so that's basically um, accessory day, mm-hmm. it's somewhere between... An hour and a half, two hours, maybe three hours. Uh, max effort days probably two to three hours. Dynamic effort days a bit work, a bit less um, because I get through all the work pretty quick, so I have to. Yeah, but two or three um, hours. What? And that's four four days a week. Uh, six days a week. Jesus. Okay. So, yeah. So you you know if you're trying to do that and, and then recover from that and then play rugby, it's going to be difficult. Cause actually the, yeah. and if I go back, I do believe that the reason that we're doing this podcast is because on the rugby muscle athletes, Facebook page, we got asked the question of how we feel about running it in season. <laughs> yeah. Like, like my recovery is pretty bad. Like just doing six sessions a week. I know some of the guys do 14, 15, 16 sessions a week. Okay, you know, so that's how they accomplish. That's how they accomplish getting all of those different, uh, yeah. hitting all those different uh, fitness components. Okay, um, all right. Um, so I would. So you, you said earlier about every session being different. You want to go into a bit more about that? Yeah. So literally every exercise of every session was different. The only, uh, and also the the prescription, the the sets, reps, kind of loading parameters were different. The only kind of connection between any of the sessions was this three-week dynamic wave. Okay. And even then, so I'd have the same dynamic exercise on lower body for three weeks in a row. Okay. And then that would, then that would change as well. But that would still be different because I'd escalate the accommodation distance each time. Okay. But essentially, so you want so where whereas most training programs, you you. Do you'd work on a lift, you know, in a given session, and you'd prop and you'd try and keep that lift in and add resistance, you know, I don't know, add what do you call it, progressive overload, week on week on week for you know four to six weeks. Westside's not like that, right? No, no. So I so say I had um, five sets of twelve uh, dumbbell floor press. Mm-hmm. The goal would be to the heaviest weight I could 
five sets of 12 on the floor press. Then the next week I do something completely different. Like it might be um, a safety bar JM press or something. Okay. So you're constantly, so what you're doing is rather than, um, you know, pushing a, pushing a certain exercise, but staying one or two reps shy from failure, letting your body come back and get stronger and then showing that improvement in that same lift next week, you're going as balls to the wall as you can. And before you can, you can judge whether you're getting stronger or not, you've changed that exercise and going balls to the wall on a different exercise, or a, but it's a similar exercise. So you're still working similar musculature, but you're not working that same movement. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah. That's how you look at it. Okay. And the idea there is that you're still – so what you're doing is you're still challenging. Rather than if – you, if you maxed out on five sets of 12 – on dumbbell floor press week one and then you had five sets of 12 dumbbell floor press week two there's a good chance that you just wouldn't be able to improve that because you maxed out the week before and that's your max so yeah yeah i mean it's, it's nice to change it and it doesn't it does save my elbows a little bit um, okay but it, it was frustrating as well because i never knew that because you never knew if you were getting better yeah and, and like I also think that if you're trying to, especially when you're doing, if you're training for hypertrophy, if you're training for power and stuff, like you want to be able to measure your improvement and you want to make sure that you are noticing that improvement in your within your rep ranges or within your the weights that you're lifting um, on how you deal with that. And I think that getting, and you also want to give your chance, yourself a chance to get better at each lift. So, you know, it's like, when I reintroduced squats after two years away from doing barbell back squats, I was able to add weights to the bar each week and reps because I was getting better mm-hmm. at the skill because the skill was so foreign to me when I first started. So I was getting better at the skill of squatting. And then that would also cause me to apply overload in that way because I was getting better at skill. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Westside, you don't get to do that. Uh, no, I think there's an assumption that you can do the movements with proficiency. Yeah. Yeah, which is weird because, like, some stuff that like, you've never done before. Like, when's the last time you did a, like, a max effort um, inverted row with bands? Uh, yeah, a while ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> if ever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the only other thing I would say in rotating exercises is, right, you know, you don't give yourself a chance to improve at the skill of the lifting and all that stuff. But it's also like, I don't know. I just, I just think that like you, you don't have that knowledge of whether you're getting better. You don't have the skill component of getting better at the skill of a lift. So say if you want to get better at, um, let's say power cleans, right. But you only do power cleans every four weeks. Then, yeah, you, that's four weeks of where you could have been training and getting better at the lift itself, training the skill of the lift. I mean, there's a reason why weightlifters snatch and clean and jerk three, four times a week, right? There's a reason why we don't take three months off touching rubber. Yeah. And then finally, the only other thing I would also add to that is that like soreness as well, like it, like you were saying that you, you feel beat up a lot and you're struggling to recover. I do think that like if you introduce – like squats, again, go back to my squats. The first time back squatting for two years, my legs were effed the F up. This is my own fucking podcast. I can, I can swear if I want, but they were fucking messed up. Um, 
yeah, and and then the week two they were a little bit as well because I was getting better at the skill and I was trying to put more pressure through the quads and trying to utilize my quads more as I was squatting. Then week three, I wasn't as sore. And to me, that probably is a good thing because you don't want that amount of disruption every single week just from the fact that you're applying a novel movement to what you're doing. You want to... It would make me not want to squat if that happened. Yeah. We, but you and, and whenever you would do a new movement, you know that that movement's going to make you feel sore the next day because it's just so foreign, and you're you know, you're not really, um, like, it's just that causes disruption. But whether that disruption breaks the muscles down to then come back stronger is where I question it. Whereas if you're if you are doing the same movement each week and you're adding reps or you're adding weight. Um, then you know, or you're adding speed if you're doing power stuff, you know you're getting better. And you're yeah, well, teaching the muscles to get better in a way. I was on the, I was on the phone with um, my Canadian throwing coach earlier the other day, and he doesn't change load at all. He just has them do the same shit over and over again for until they stop getting better, uh, stop increasing the speed. Yeah. No? Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so the rotating exercises is another component, but it's one that... We're, we're, like you can see why you're doing it, but we're not sure if that's a great idea. If you are, um, I, I think there's a, a time and place to do it. I think yeah. there's such thing as too much variation. Yes, for sure. Yeah, cool. Okay, cool. And then so the next um, other component of uh, Westside again, if you rotate your exercises, if you it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing Westside. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, and then if you're doing max lifts, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing West side, but max lifts is another major component of West side training. You want to talk about that? And your yeah, experience so of it? This, this, yeah. Um, I actually quite like it. I, I do quite well with max effort movements, um, because it means there's absolutely much else. And then, so the goal is there to drive the ability to strain. That's, um, that's how they're, they're phrasing it. So it's it's if lifts are time specific, so I you can only lift for as long as um, you can strain for, right? Yes. So it's yep. a, talking about it in a bit better way. Is how, how much time can your uh, PTR system work for? Yes. So they're trying to teach that with a massive lift rather than the skill of the movement. Okay. Um, again, within that variational structure. So rather than be able to you know, efficiently deadlift off the ground and lift that as fast as possible and have a perfect bar path, they're trying to teach you that no matter how heavy that weight is, you, if you can just keep pulling and pulling and pulling, you're eventually going to get that weight up with that? Uh, mm, no, there's, there's a big emphasis on technique in terms of that. But I'll say like, okay, for your deadlifts, do tons of deficit deadlifts because the bar path's longer, so you have to lift it for longer. Ah, okay. Yes. And, um, but and then, and then like the rather squats. than doing different, like you're teaching yourself your ATP PC system to use to to train and fire for longer by doing like a set of three to five reps. You would argue that obviously stopping in between doesn't, you know, makes it a different movement or a different. Fish, yeah. 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 Yeah, so it might take, what, two seconds, three seconds to do a max effort lift. 
Yeah. Uh, which is a fucking long time for deadlift. It's a really long time. Yeah. Um, so I, I know that my deadlift moves at like 0.2 something rather than me as a second. It's really fucking slow. And if any if anyone out there thinks that two or three seconds is quite fast, film yourself doing an absolute grinder of a squat, like, and it feels like it took took you twenty seconds to get that bar up, and then you watch it back on the replay, and you're like, oh, it took one second. I was stuck. I felt like I was stuck there forever. Yeah, like so what, you, it takes quite a high level lifter to grind out a lift more than a second or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your muscles otherwise would just stop. You. I'm done. You just don't have it. You've only got a certain amount of force output, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, if force is uh, acceleration over time or mass over acceleration. So, but essentially, but they're getting used to you just producing as much force as you can. And again, whilst rotating the exercises to stop you from burning out on a certain lift. Yeah, every um, single max effort lift is rotated every single okay. time. That's what I had. Um, Again, I wouldn't do it that way, but that's how I had to do So it. if you did a conventional deadlift, when would you come back to doing a conventional deadlift again? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> I've I yet to repeat anything. Okay. All right. Interesting. But the idea is that you're teaching your body to produce and grind out maximal force. Now, can you see any way that that would apply to rugby? Jeez, there's not even that much time. You're doing that in rugby, even in a scrum. It's not like, it's not really that, is it? No, scrum is the only thing I could think of. And even I then, it's, it's more like a 10 second, like, pseudo isometric. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, I, I would much is, rather do isometrics. There is like yielding isometrics um, in the system. Yeah. Or like pushing it. So I did a lot of stuff against max bands. So we, so you'd start below max effort or max press in the bands and then you push into max tension in the bands so you couldn't do any more. That's similar. Um, or or you'd be, yeah, or you do these like very short range isometrics. So that's similar, but I, there's not anything that really transposes over to rugby. Yeah. Um, and also, like you said, I can't think of anything that would fry your CNS more than doing a max lift every single week. And, and and I think this is probably where I want to put in that we've already said it before, but this is almost like a weeding out process. This is a, like, if you're already an elite lifter, like you're, you know, you're not coming to this, coming into this sort of style of lifting, having been able to bench press 80 kilos, squat 120 kilo and deadlift like 150. Like you are, you are at the top end already, and this is trying to just really wring that sponge. It's the only thing I can think of to be able to improve this. Like you're wrenching that sponge, you are like, you know, you 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 think you're done with the toothpaste, but you need to get two more weeks of toothpaste out of it. You yeah. think you're done with the tube, right? So you're properly wrenching it out, and th- and this is essentially what you're doing with your power lifts for power lifters, right? Because I, you know. Um, if you're doing those sorts of max lifts, you, you have to be really technically proficient. Otherwise you're going to really hurt yourself. And you also have to have really good, um, not volume tolerance. What's the word? Uh, it's CNS resilience. Yeah. Like just in general, like recovery capacity as well. Like all that stuff. You have to be really good. Cause you, cause 
there will be people that will do a, you know, particularly for intermediate lifters. Because if you're a beginner lifter, you can do one rep maxes every week. And because your muscle, because your body just doesn't know how to produce that much force relative, you're going to be fine and you're going to recover. If you're an intermediate lifter and you're producing as much force as you can, but you don't have that recovery capacity and you don't have the technique perfectly down, like you're going to be fried and you're, you're, you're just not going to be able to, number one, ever do any sort of speed or power work that week and recover. Um, and then number two, like if you're going to fry yourself that much in your training session, you're going to cause that much disruption. Like why not do like 12 sets of th heavy three? Like that would cause a, a, a equal same amount of disruption as one three to five second single. But Jesus Christ, you've got a lot more volume in there and you've got a lot more, um, ability to improve. Yeah, I mean, all the research now shows it's basically the same. You just get the higher strength. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You, I think there's just if you if you could like that intensity again. If you've got um, a certain amount of points to distribute, right, out of volume intensity, and you put essentially rather than put ten into intensity, you're putting twelve into intensity. But by mm -hmm. going those one and two extras, that also costs you an extra four points in volume. So you're you're not just you're just not able to do anywhere near as much volume because you've just put that intensity so high. And I think for most rugby players and for most people that you know, most trainers really, there are just you, you want you you'd be better served to distribute that those points and those um, I don't know parameters elsewhere. Yeah, you could actually look at this in terms of like that Bulgarian system as well. Where it's like people say it was max effort all the time, right? Yeah, and then yeah. but then if you if you talk to the, the guys, is it they had this thing called Prushka, which is kind of like lying to the coach about how hard you tried. Like when when they could get away of not doing it, they would. Yeah, you see that? I saw that. That was a component of um, this West Side versus the World. That I was watching. The amount of stories that they've had where they've said, oh, yeah, there was that one day that I came in. I said, I'm just going to take it light today. And then I fucking bullied him. And I said, no, there's no way. And then we end up smashing it and, and hitting new PRs. But I also think that's, that's a cool story. But that was 10 years ago. And you've been trained together for 30 years. So how many times in those 30 years did you say, I'm just going to die. I'm just going to take a light day today. And no one said anything. And you took that light day and you came back and you were better. Yeah. Or, like you know, you get... You know, you get those bumper fives, you know, the, the five kilo plates. Really <laughs> it's like when you load those on, but don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. There. That's, that's Koshka. And, and a random side note, I've actually found that sometimes I have tended to do this a little bit with myself. If I tell myself I'm pushing to failure, I'll like annoyingly, and I, and I know I've, I've spotted myself doing it, so I've corrected it in a way, but I'll, I'll like slow down. Like say I've set myself to do 20 reps, right? And I'm like, yeah, I should fail at about 20 reps. When it gets to like 17, 18, I start to slow down my reps anyway, even if I'm not actually going to map because I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is definitely getting harder. And it's, it took me a oh, while. Okay. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like it's my, like subconsciously, I'm like, I know I should be failing here. So I should be grinding it out, but I'm making myself grind out. I'm being a pussy. Do you know about uh, maximal velocity thresholds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, We've actually got a podcast coming out uh, with Kevin Shattuck about it. So, oh, I haven't. Kevin yeah. put out some good work, man. 
Yeah, he's good. So, yeah, yeah. but j- just the basics that guys can potentially use. But, th- I mean, obviously, yeah, that would stop that from happening. And that would also ensure that you are doing maximal lifts. But, again, you could also, yeah. again, you could cheat that by sliding down and being like, oh, sorry, coach, this is the heaviest I can do today. So um, I've got like a 20-page thing for uh, science for sport at the moment, just writing up. And, you know, I mentioned people earning the right to do velocity work. Yeah. Basically, you have to show that you aren't going to sandbag it or, or cheat to get a high velocity. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, that's, by, that's by the by. Yeah, we've done a few of that. All right. So speaking of velocity, that's the next component of conjugate the uh, conjugate of uh, west side that we want to talk about is so and i think this is when people most for the most part they look at west side training and they say right it's it's based around upper upper lower dynamic effort and max effort so we've spoken about the max effort we've spoken about the rotating exercises what about this speed day what does that involve a shitload of volume um done really quickly so like i said you're, you're trying to hit 25 repetitions, give or take. Me, so. And they have to be done as fast as possible with minimal rest. Yeah. So you mean you've got to get done with those 25 reps total in like as fast as you can? Yeah, basically. So it's not each rep has to be done as fast as it can. Each rep is as fast as you can as well. But, but that's, but that will like, if I to say, if I was to say to you, look, I can hit this rep faster if I rest for two more minutes. It doesn't matter, right? You're going to say no. Complete the fucking twenty five reps yeah. as fast as you can, right? So that's where that gets to. Yeah, that's that's yeah. So um, right off the bat, if you're doing that, you're not working speed, um, right? So the the goal is that the each repetition should be about 0.7 meters a second. Okay. Um. So, just if you, how do I explain this? As you move the bar faster, you're producing more force, right? Yeah. Okay, so if you... Without the fatigue of producing the force that you would have done for a one rep max. Yeah, well, that's that's the goal there. It's like, you're trying to... Because what they're saying is, it's impossible to max out or truly max out four times a week. Right. So I'd agree. I mean, I mean, that's pretty. Yeah, we've 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 sort of said that already, right? We said that how how stressful maxing out is in, in general, right? So yeah. yeah. So and what that is is force component. How much force you can produce each session, or how many times a week can you use maximal force? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if force is um, mass um, times what uh, times distance over time over time. Hmm. Yeah, then the only other component we can mess with is time, mm-hmm. right? So to produce a really high force, you have a slightly lower mass, do it really quickly. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of premise there. So over, so if we have this idea that we want to increase the amount of force per week and move about the same speed, like week one might be 100 kilo, week two might be 114, week three might be 129. Mm-hmm. That will give us like a, a 70, 80, 90 kind of um, whatever's force outputs over that three-week block. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. But you're doing that without hitting those max, those absolute maximum weights. 
However, we've already suggested, number one, that probably doing those max lifts every single week, like week in, week out, and especially grinding in the way that you do is potentially not the best way to do things. Um, and then on top of that, like, so then you've already, you've, what you've done is ideally, right? We've said that you could do 12 sets of three or something ridiculous, but you could also just do less and then you could attribute more force into this session, right? And you could spread that volume out on the, that, um, yeah, spread that volume and recovery needs out over a little bit better over, over the course of a week or a microcycle. Um, yeah, but there was another element to it, which was that lactic endurance capacity. Okay. So they were trying, they were trying to um, basically build up your tolerance for lactic, which I, I know is a weird thing to do in this sport, but that's what they were after. It's also a weird thing to do for rugby. Yeah, super weird thing to do, but that's what they were after there. So that's another reason for the short rest. Um, I, I guess the goal being that it's not really lactic endurance, it's, it's more interval training yeah some sort of condition okay interesting um so it wasn't really speed um but you're getting in a decent amount of volume without the force so that's a good thing i'd also say the other good thing and why it probably does work is that if you're getting in 25 reps like good decent reps producing a decent amount of force that's a lot of good technique training that you're getting in there uh yeah i think so My, my bench definitely has improved like because you're pra- because you're practicing that movement, and if you're practicing it fast, that that kind of does make it somewhat sport specific to the sport of powerlifting. So if you're practicing speed bench, like you want to control it, and it's getting difficult, like you need to make sure that your bar path is really good. Now, whether that's going to work speed in the same way that it would help you produce the power of a handoff, that would be a different question. Or a speed if you're doing a speed squat. Is that really going to make you a faster sprinter? Well, I, th- I think the difference here is like strength, speed, speed, strength to like yeah. all the way down to like explosive starting strength and stuff, right? Yeah, because you're also working speed through those movements. You're not working them better. Like a jump squat would be a fen- like a much better movement because you're working so fast that you don't stop at the top of a squat. However, yeah. if you're doing speed squats, then you stop at the top of a squat. So you're actually not what you're only working speed right out the bottom, and then you're not getting any faster. You're actually slowing down as you get towards the top of a lift. Now, is that just that a really smart us, segue? Yeah, yeah, it is. It was a, it was, it was not a smart segue. It was a fluke, but we're there. Okay. All right, cool. So, um, accommodating resistance or compensatory acceleration training. Uh, so this is talking about bands and chains and the other things that are associated with Westside Method. Yeah, and the speed kind of, day of Westside Method. Yeah, so will we use bands and chains, or I use bands and chains. I'm not trained actually because I have no access to them, which is all pain in the ass. Um, but basically, the goal is if is to keep that force output high, right, for the entire lift or for longer duration. So, yeah. so quickly, the premise up, of those things. Go on. I know, so, as you reach the top of a squat, it becomes easier, right? So, and as you stretch out or a band, it gives you more resistance. Yeah, in any so, lift, there's like a, a specific. Because the muscle doesn't fire the exact same, and it's also the fight isn't always against gravity, isn't always the same. Um, so, as you, for the most part, when you're doing lifts, as you get towards the end of the lift, it gets easier because you just have to maintain that speed that you've already, or the momentum that you've already produced. Plus, um, different muscle uh, contractions 
have different different strengths at different points, right? So mm -hmm. you, for the easy example is when you're doing a bicep curl, you can you can do a good half curl to 90 degrees with a lot heavier weight that you can do a full curl because once you get halfway, that bicep becomes the, the contraction of the bicep becomes somewhat weaker. Or also, it's a really shit lever arm, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into it, and it's the movement. But that's the simplest way to explain it. So if you were to have a – how would you work the band there? So if you were to have a band that hangs from the ceiling and – no? So sometimes the strength curve doesn't line up to the movement. You'd have to, you'd have to do some weird shit with it, like have it on a um, a camber. Yeah, so if you had it on a cam machine where the, the weight got lighter as you got to that middle part of the movement, or you had a spotter in front of you – representing yeah. the band and he just gave it a little nudge when you're at halfway just gave it just a little bit of a nudge so that you were still pushing and then boom as you got to the top then you would take back over and you'd finish that lift yeah so we, you could do it um say you're doing it on a deadlift yeah where the lift you want band tension from the floor mm -hmm. but you want it to be significantly harder towards lockout yeah then you just have two bands right you just have one band set from the floor upwards the lower band and a heavier band set from knee height upwards Okay. So you just run into oh, the second band. Right. So then it challenges because the getting it from getting it off the ground to your shins is a little bit easier than getting it from your shins to your knees. And then getting it from your knees to your hips is probably the easiest part of it all. For most people, yeah. So that so that's so what we're trying to do there is rather than just have a constant load throughout, it's trying to challenge every single like the whole movement at the same sort of um yeah you're trying to maximize tension all the way through right now i would again argue and this is why i've never been a huge fan of um bands and chains in general is because i would argue that then again you're not really working speed because your muscles aren't um able to contract at that speed to then produce the speed necessary to actually work speed you're still then just working sort of strength and force so, so this is a, a uh, a mistake really um, on most people's parts where the band should only offer a set amount of resistance up to that uh, 75, 80, 80, 90, uh, 75, 80, 85% of max. Mm -hmm. So usually you'd have um, X amount of clean weight, mm -hmm. like 45, 55, 50, whatever it happens to be. And you don't have 30% of that or whatever the, the difference is mm -hmm. adding up. So on dynamic days, the band tension is never really that much. Um, that being said, until the last couple of sets where I then had to get to a 90% effort. Mm -hmm. So on max effort days towards um, higher intensity blocks, I guess, you might start using a lot of band tension. Mm -hmm. um, and in accessory work, there was a lot of stuff like um, 100 sumo deadlifts against max band tension oh. um yeah that was pretty shit <laughs> that was pretty terrible um so the band tension would be high there but on dynamic day the band tension would only ever be working within that wave loading okay okay so my first sort of question about this methodology would be number one right is actually i'll get this straight off the bat first off having access to bands and chains is kind of difficult in a gym environment um, to then, as you've just said here, this isn't just, Oh, we're going to throw on some bands and chains just cause this is like quite precise measurement 
um, and resistance that you want to try and get to get the right amount of force. Who's, yeah. I mean, who's able to, like, who's buying these bands or who's measuring how much force output at certain different areas these bands are giving you, like, in terms of an actual weight? Not many people. It's, it's over, a very scale. Right, but it's over, fucking scale. difficult. <laughs> Right, yes, pain, yes. You, like you are the rare exception, and you know this. You're weird. Uh, most people aren't measuring exactly how much this band weighs at, or this band is resisting when it's you know six feet stretched versus four feet stretched, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That makes it a lot difficult to really track and monitor. Um, chains is similar, but then my other thing with chains also, and, and bands to an extent, is that they if you put them on you're going to alter the movement that you're doing and you're going to also challenge like stability. You're going to, there's going to be a stability component challenge where most people set them up incorrectly. So I reckon adding bands to a deadlift actually makes it easier to get a right bar off. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, also, but if you set it up in the right way. Yeah. I mean, they're a pain in the ass to set up as well. I know Kizzy hates using bands because they're a real pain to set up. Mm. Yeah. And, and, again, this is all, and, and this is like we're saying, like Westside doing this sort of training method, you know, you can spend upwards of three hours in the gym. If you're someone that's got to get in and get out, plus you've got to do all this training, plus you've got to set up all these fucking bands. Oof. Like, yes, yeah, more efficient ways to do things. And I think that's generally where we're trying to head towards when we're making this argument about West side for rugby. Mm-hmm. Is that like, there are some really good components, but they're just generally better ways to do things. Um, the other thing I think I've, I've I hinted at it earlier, but when you're doing accommodating resistance, like you're working, you're still pushing yourself. Like say in your, in the top third of a squat, right? The top third of a squat. If you if you're going really heavy, or if you're going even if you're going fairly light, right? The tough part of the squat is the bottom half easily, right? That's why most people cut their depth really short. But if you go from the bottom half, and then you you now you've got to push against chains. You're not working the strength component. I mean, you're not working the speed component. You're just pushing strength. You're working that force. A better idea would be to get through that hard bit of the bottom of a squat and then finish your squat by jumping. And that way you're continually work challenging that upper part of the movement as opposed to where most people are squatting, you're actually slowing down. You have to slow down at the top half of a squat to not jump up. Whereas if you continue to try and increase that speed, you're going to finish your squat with a jump. And therefore, you're gonna work that top top third half of the squat. Plus, um, you're gonna work it in a more of a way that would replicate things that you're gonna do in sport. Yeah, I've been I've been asked the difference there. One's powerlifting, one's sport. Um, in both cases, you're trying to shorten deceleration time. Yeah, just you're just that, uh, sorry, you're just that specific strength. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing I would say is that the other and this is. I mean, this this is more of a criticism of like box squats um, when we're talking about rotating exercise, exercise selection, um, which we never really touched on in, in actually when we talk about that. But Westside does feature a lot of box squats traditionally. Yeah, yep, done a lot of box squats. Like a lot of box squats, and that's where and that's having you sit back a lot more in your squat to essentially prepare you. You correct me if I'm wrong here, Alex, but essentially prepare you for lifting in a suit because it's a lot similar to, like, you, you can sit squat a lot similar to how you would do in a box squat in a suit because it holds your body in a certain way. 
that allows you to sit in that way. Whereas if you weren't wearing a squat suit, you just wouldn't be able to do that. Um, and I just think that when you're talking about rotating ex- or different exercise specificity for rugby, I just think that's not really a great one. Um, and a lot of, and that was, that would also be a criticism of rotating exercises is the specificity of the different things that you want to get better at the certain movements that are going to have you be better at rugby rather than rotate through other exercises. Now, Going back to the where I was going with this is the box squats in general and is a similar principle to the bands and the chains where in the squat suit, you're challenged a lot more in that top half of a squat because the suit carries so much tension that the, the bottom half of the squat isn't as challenging as it would be if you were to do that squat without a suit on or raw, as we would say. Yeah, um, I don't think anything else out to that, mate. It's, yeah, it's cool. It's, I, I think with a suit, the hardest part is actually holding a back position. Right. So you're just, yeah. And like you say, if, you, if you've got, like, if you're doing a max out squat without wearing a suit, which is, I'd be shocked if anyone that's listened to this podcast is wearing a suit regularly to max out their squat. Um, then you're, the, challenge, the challenge is getting that squat back up, getting over that first quarter of the squat. Once you've done that, like you just have to keep pushing. You've probably, you're probably going to be good. Yeah, so so long, you yeah. don't need that accommodating resistance. It won't take – yeah, it's the bottom – it's getting out of the hole. Um, so you don't need that accommodating resistance component mm-hmm. to really develop your lifts unless you – know, and that's my opinion on it. Any extra thoughts on that? Um, I think box squats have their place and they can be useful in rugby, uh, but only because people are weak. Yeah. Um, people are weak in their hamstrings and their glutes and lower back. Uh, I'm not saying that's the best way to train it, um, but if you look at a position for a scrum and you look at a position for a box squat, it's not super dissimilar. Yeah. And, and, it, it, and it's still overcoming a isometric. Like it's yes, that, that's dynamic, what right? I like. Yeah, I, I, I like box... Um, like jumps, like when you're seated, seated box jumps, should I say? Yeah. That, yeah. Seated jumps are a good um, training tool. Yeah. So a hundred percent, like it's good for a specific method. It's not good for improving. I wouldn't use it for a lot. I, I also think a lot of people box squat because they're too, uh, their ego won't let them just do a regular squat because it's significantly weaker than box squat. I know I've played with a bunch of rugby players that could box squat like 250 kilos for fun. And you Was know, that in a high box yeah, of course it was, mate. Yeah. Like above Is 90. That, yeah, squatting to a low box. So squatting to a, what was, it, what was the lowest box I used the other day? It was low shin, wasn't it? But box squatting to below power, that was fucking difficult. Yeah. Like I think I lost like 60 kilo on it. You know the worst one is the the pause box squats where you like hover? I mean, every box squat should be like that almost. Yeah. No, but I mean, there's one that you like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um. So, yeah, I think we've discussed well, – I think we've nailed this, dude. Um, is there anything else on Westside that we should probably mention? Um, did we mention the volume super high just in general? Um, no, I guess not. So so what we touched on isn't anywhere near the total amount of volume. Yeah. Um, there's tons of secondary stuff to do, tons of 
like special exercises and accessory exercises. And again, if you're not doing that, you're not doing West Side. If you're just doing the, if you're just going in, doing one heavy day and just doing one heavy lift and then leaving, and then you're doing one like dynamic day and you're doing the dynamic work and then you're leaving, you're not doing West Side, you're doing a random lighter conjugate. Yeah, yeah, something else. So say say I did, um, what's it, 25 reps of 160 kilo for my dynamic day, right? That's four tons. And then I times that. Yeah. So my actual volume on dynamic day would be more closer to 40 tons. Right. Yeah, right. Rather than just that, um, just that squat volume we spoke about. And I think we've already said this before, um, but it's worth reemphasizing just as you've said that point. If you're doing that much volume, there is literally, literally no way that you're going to actually get faster or more powerful in terms of the absolute components of speed and power that is just simply yeah. too much volume you just can't recover from that when you do speed yeah. you have to leave the gym feeling better than how than when you entered it essentially because yeah. you're going to do such you're going to work that intensity but that short but you're also going to recover well and then you're not going to fatigue yourself if you produce a lot of fatigue you cannot work speed because you're you, you just don't fire as efficiently yeah. you have to go 95% or 92% maybe or above to really work speed. Yeah, and like I was eating 4,500 calories. Or I am eating 4,500 calories a day and losing weight on that. Oh, go fuck yourself. Jealous. Dude, it's, it's a lot of food, man. It's, it's not often that fun. No, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, yeah. It's always, grass is always greener. <laughs> yeah. Um, apart from that, I actually think like the ideas of these like GPE, GPE, GPP blocks um, and higher volume work makes sense in the off-season. If you can't get outside, so if you lived in like Canada or somewhere, yeah, I think I think that makes sense. Apart from that, like the, that, it's and the, too much, too much work. I guess that, and and that sort of ties into like the final real component of West Side is that they're they don't really have an off season or an on season, right? They kind no. of just smash it. Like what we've said is the entire system. There's not one. Okay, we're we're 50 weeks out from our next meet. We're gonna just work hypertrophy. Um, that it, you are just going and going and going. Whereas mm-hmm. um, like a, blo- a, a good block periodization method, you know, you would, you would take getting worse at the max lifts for a period of, you know, six months or even like Olympic weightlifters, they'll do it for a year where they'll get worse on purpose because they're working other components. And well, they had, um, it's, oh, not this one. Who's the, uh, Ilian. Yeah. They, Ilian. He had like a six month period where not he would one year. He, well, he one, did, year one year he took one year off like he would just swim and play like hockey and yeah play sport shit. Like, yeah yeah, yeah. Do real sports rather than like a weightlifting. yeah but he get, but that would you know detrain him enough that he would come back and get stronger but he'd also work his you know probably he's eliminating a lot of fatigue whereas if you're doing like just hypertrophy training yes your strength if you're an elite athlete your strength's going to probably go down but after a while, you're going to get better. It's like, uh, I heard a great analogy, and, and this is a stolen right from Dr. Mike Israel because he's good at these analogies. But you know when you're, um, you're on your computer and you're constantly getting either Windows or Mac to say, look, you, you want to update your computer? Look, do you want to update your computer? Look, do you want to update your computer? And it takes not a lot of time for you just to say no, no, no. But eventually over time, not updating your computer is going to hold you back um, because you're, you're working on an old system. And yeah, 
um, say your computer takes six hours to update, that's time spent that you can't be working on your computer. But over the long haul, you're going to be better off for it. Boom. Yeah, now do that. I love yeah. that analogy. I thought that was so good. Yeah, I had to put it in. Um, and so that's the same thing of working different components of fitness and accepting the fact that you might get worse on some of them or at least not be able to work on some of them in order to get better in the long term. Whereas again, Westside, you're not doing that. You're, you're never updating your computer and eventually your computer is going to break and you're not going to be able to work on it no more. Sweet. Boom. So what, so what other things can we sort of take out of it that we can either use or potentially do better? Training environment. Yes. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, intensity of work, volume. Of work. But then I think the intensity, like intensity, is like a double-edged sword, because I do think there are some people that like they will just consistently fry themselves out because all they want to do is train to intense. So, so is intent is intensity just so for me? Like when I say intensity, I mean intent towards a goal. It, uh, yeah. All right. To an extent. Listen. Yeah, yeah. But even then, I do think like like. I look at how they train in Westside and I just think I would, I would burn out. And that's just, maybe that's a personality thing. Maybe it's a physical thing, but I'd burn myself out. There's no way long-term I'd be able to like sustain that. I'd rather take a longer term approach myself. Um, be more mindful of the fact that I'm not going to get injured, but be more mindful of the fact that I've got a long-term goal. And that if I, you know, I'm still dialed into my program but I would take, you know, and, and again, that's this is where individualization comes in, I think. I think I if I just went intensity every single week like that, I'd I'd hurt myself. My body just wouldn't keep. I've got these annoying levers. Um and maybe or maybe it's just that I'm a bitch, right? But if I am a bitch, fuck, like I'm not gonna succeed in that environment anyway. So why not go TJ's bitch method and keep a few reps in the tank? but consistently get better year on year on year and not spend three hours in the gym. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do it. You did it. <laughs> yeah. But no, not, in, not in the gym, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I think we also, you sort of mentioned it there as well. The other final note I'd say on it is like, it's also, you see this with a lot of different training methods a lot of these training methods are actually more weeding out processes than they are looking to get better. Like yes, for every, bias, yeah, every point zero, every person you see succeed and it, and it happens with, and I I've said it a lot when you see like, um, who's that twat Joe Wicks and he runs his like, uh, he's, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he runs his, his, um, like eight week fat loss challenges and, and tells you all these different things. And for every one person that's, or, or even just his book, Right for every one motherfucker that's bought his cookbook and has lost, you know, twenty pounds and looks great and gives him great before and after photos, there could be a thousand people that bought that cookbook, tried a few recipes and got fatter, but you don't see them posted on social media. Yeah, why would um, you? Yeah, right. And so for every one person that has succeeded on Westside, there must be thousands of people or hundreds of people that have gone there either got kicked out of the gym or got injured or just not being able to sustain it got weaker, maybe got stronger, but not as strong as they could have been if they had tried a different method. And you've got all these people that aren't succeeding in the same way 
but they're not getting any limelight. And, and, but the ones that have taken to it and succeeded, Jesus Christ, they've succeeded really well. And it's not to hold anything against their own people. You see it in the, when you talk about like the squat every day and the Bulgarian method, like the Bulgarian method was literally, it's this, like they didn't even say it, it was a, a superior program that literally was a weeding out process. We are only taking the guys that survived through this. Yeah. Which makes sense, right? Yeah. Easy. Um, so, but that's not the way you want to approach your, your training. You don't want to say, right, I'm going to see if I'm going to be strong enough or I'm going to die. No, you want to find what's going to work best for you and uh, whatever that weird saying I said earlier was. Utilize it for the best to make yourself the best. That'll do. Boom. All right, dude. Um, thanks for this, mate. This is a really good, uh, this is pretty insightful. Are you still training Westside? I'm on a rest at the moment. I've got like something up my shin. Like it's not, it's not to do with the training program. It's, I, I think it's on walking like eight miles a day at the moment. Oh yeah. Gyms are all closed um, as well. So you can't yeah, so gyms, it's, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, so my shin's a little bit funky. Um, after that, I, like I said, I had a chat with, um, Joe Derek Ebley is. Who? Derek, Joe, uh, Derek Ebley? No. Joe Bondachuk is. Yeah. Yeah, Derek um, is close to Bondachuk, so he is also the Canadian Olympic team coach. Hmm. So I was on the phone to him yesterday about training methods and such, so I might jump into that one and see. Um, basically, like I, I'm not huge on Westside as a methodology, but I want to understand what, about it, and I want, to, I want to be able to take away what I can from it. And there's no doubt, and I really admire you because I think you said before, like the reason that you did this was because it's so far away from what you would actually do. Yeah, um, and to be fair, like I've put on quite a lot of size of doing this. Like I've, I've definitely got bigger in my upper body. And you've um, done it, um, like, and you've you've done the actual program. Like you've got a coach from Westside, and you've yeah. done it as as Westside as it can be. You haven't sort of half-assed done it and said, "Oh, this sucks." Because it would be very easy if you disagreed with something to go into it and then go, oh, this is going to suck. There's no point. So I, I really do have like, a lot of admiration for that approach. Um, I just think, and it's, I also think it's more just because you're a smart dude and you want to um, become a stronger powerlifter as you possibly can. So yeah, man, that, that 800 pound deadlift is uh, it's not getting that closer by myself. So we got to figure it out. Well, uh, Hathor is supposed to by the time this podcast comes out i think oh no he's trying to like the first of may in in may i believe so next week we'll find out whether um the mountain is 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 half thor the mountain yeah yeah, here. yeah the mountain. we'll find out whether he is the new world record deadlift holder of 501 kilos is he gonna wear straps uh, so I, think, do, right? I think strong men do wear straps. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like a does. different different world record. Yeah, yeah. But there's a strong man world record, and then there's a not. I don't know. It's all weird. But 501 kilos, man, is fucking tempting. I mean, I've been watching his training recently, and his deadlifts are going up quickly. He he is speaking of big dudes. He's yeah. I, a long time ago, I I was at um team world strongest man. Yeah, I had breakfast like with them. Like all the world's strongest men guys. Okay. Um, we just happen to be in the same hotel. And they're fucking enormous. Like they were twice, like literally twice my size. Yeah, yeah. And again, this this does go back to Westside because those guys that are there are also those humans. Like 
And if you're looking for a program that weeds out the ones that aren't the top 1% of those guys that are barely human, potentially yeah. there are better ways for you to do training. Yeah, it's not often I rock up to a gym and I'm the weakest guy there. You know? No. All right, man. This has been great. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode of the Robbie Muscle Podcast, then I've got a quick little request and a potential prize giveaway for you if you do said request. All I want you to do is go to Apple Podcasts and type up a five-star review. Just your general opinions of the podcast would be great feedback, but also helps us reach higher rankings, get more exposure, allow me to attract more guests and devote more time to developing a better all-around podcast experience for you. All you have to do once again is go and give us a five-star review on whatever podcast service you use. Let me know that you've got it. And then every single week, I'll be selecting one review to give away a free prize. That free prize will be either one free month of Team Rugby Muscle. That's our world-class strength condition program app delivered directly to your phone. Or if that doesn't interest you, then we've got one free consultation where I'll, I'll go over your training program, your nutrition, and advise you how to best plan for your goals. Even if none of those things interest you, it's still doing me a solid and helping the podcast grow by going and giving us a five-star review. There's no real excuse. It takes like one minute and that helps the show out exponentially. So I'd really appreciate if you could do that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one.